Before I start the show, I want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. I'm living my dream, podcasting for my job for the past six months, and I couldn't do it without each and every one of you. Thank you. The Effin' Red Snowboard Podcast is presented by Skyview Campers, Never Summer's innovative take on the tiny home. Designed and built in beautiful Colorado, check out skyviewcampers.com. Wired Snowboards builds quality snowboards by hand, 10 minutes away from my house. Visit wiredsnowboards.com and order one today. Fixed bindings are easy to adjust, long-lasting, high-performance bindings built to have less impact on the environment. Check out fixbindingco.com. Rip Curl Outerwear is designed to search further in the snow, offering strength, durability, and all-around performance. Rip Curl Outerwear's got you covered. New Greens, 100% organic, vibrant green juice. Buy yourself some at newgreens.com and use code FNRAD at checkout for 20% off. And for a chance to try New Greens for free, listen to the end of the show. The Boardroom Snowboard Shop, best selection, best prices, Vancouver's premier snowboard shop. Go to boardroomshop.com and use code FNRAD10 to save 10% off your next purchase. Support also comes from Mount Seymour, Grouse Mountain, Cypress Mountain, the Pro Standard GoPro Accessories, and our friends at 1910. You can use code FNRAD at checkout for 20% off at 1910.com. The Havens is a center for transformational learning located on beautiful Gabriola Island. Plan a visit at haven.ca and use code FNRAD at checkout to save 10% of their Come Alive program. Megan Pischke Porcheron is one of the greatest women pro snowboarders ever. She competed in the X Games like seven times and filmed countless parts, including backcountry stuff. And earlier in her career, she was a freestyler in Mac Dog's Pocahontas. She's married to DCP, and they have two wonderful snowboarding kids. The whole family just rode POW in Japan together. Megan's an amazing example of the high standard the first generation of pro-women snowboarders set for future generations. She's a director at Boarding for Breast Cancer Foundation, where she's setting up the Canadian branch, and she's a cancer survivor herself. You can watch her story in the short film Chasing Sunshine, available on YouTube. So honored to have Megan Pischke Porcheron on F and Rad this week. We start out by talking about when Megan met her best friend, Barrett Christie. I feel like somebody gave her my number, right? Like 92, 93. And she still lived in Crested Butte at the time. So I was coming up, uh, she was coming up to Vail and I was living in Vail. So um, yeah, I met her through, I don't even remember, probably like Ninja, Adam. Stevie. Were you Alters. riding with, with uh, Quinn too? Because you were on yep. Nitro, right? Quinn Sandoval. Yeah. yeah. And so I was visiting Steamboat a lot. I feel like Quinn was living in Steamboat. He loves Steamboat. Yeah. He I still feel talks like we it. were like, we were going there a lot. Yeah. Cause I, I, that Nitro was my first board sponsor. A friend of mine, a guy I rode with a bunch of day basin actually hooked me up Brad. with Nitro. And your dad was Red a bear. your dad was a patroller at A Basin. Is that yeah? Right? He was always like, "Don't be ducking ropes." 
oh. called me a knuckle dragger. I feel like I was like, what's a knuckle dragger? <laughs> I don't but, understand. What does that term even really mean? Knuckle dragger? Yeah, why? Cause, why I don't know. Because we were like, because we're just always like low to the ground. we're down, right. Yeah. I guess we're not carrying poles. But like knuckle dragger was like a real term. You remember I, that. I remember the term. I just don't know I what it I used to think it, it was because of like caveman or something. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe it's because we're low to the ground and... I, I don't have any idea. Big pants, big stance, knuckle dragon. <laughs> Colorado was the was the epicenter of the scene. Yeah, it and really I, was. I think it was because it was a centralized place where East could meet West, and yeah. Vermont could come to Colorado, mm-hmm. California could come to Colorado, Utah could come to Cal- yeah. Canada would come. Cali to Colorado. had its own scene, though, right? Like all yeah, those yes. like Tahoe, like South Shore, Tahoe, like they had their own niche as well but colorado because i remember going out to california a lot and all the the crews out there right but it was kind of this colorado tahoe washington had its own scene here's something that's come up for me this year that i'm really excited about because i'm trying to tell the history of early snowboarding and i don't know how to detach it from the the history of Burton, you know, that's what everybody's always talked about. You mm. know, Sherman, then Jake, then Craig, then yeah. Terrier, then Sean White. And that's a good narrative, but it leaves out Colorado. It leaves out Craig Utah. Craig came to Colorado. I rode with, with Craig in Colorado. Certainly. It's because Jake, Jake loved Colorado too. So. And Jake was, Jake would come to like Utah. Jake was in Utah in the canyons like mm-hmm. in the early 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but. But people, the scenes don't get the love that they deserve, right? The scenes don't get it. I think Breckenridge, I think there's people who are working on a Lords of Dogtown type movie mm-hmm. about snowboarding in those days. Yeah. And it centers around Breckenridge. Yeah. Breck was like, oh my gosh, I feel like Todd Richards was my neighbor. I'm always seeing him on the mountain. And then we knew Dogger was coming and Mac Dog came and did one of his uh pocahontas movie there and that right. was like yeah we're like yeah we're jumping trash cans and hitting logs and like yeah and dogger just thought it was the funniest coolest thing <laughs> he's laughing at us you guys are crazy because we're all just doing weird street stuff you know it's tip of the spear where were the stumps there was a spot that was all stumps that were i remember that was like iconic for, and that was a colorado spot yeah oh gosh that's a really not a good all right, yeah. Memory. Can't think of it. I can think of a lot of log zones. Log but. zones, right. <laughs> right, logs. Remember lighting stuff on fire and the yeah. logs and the rainbows. Like the, the Colorado years where snowboarding was cutting its teeth, mm-hmm. there was a lot going on. The big pants thing was coming mm-hmm. out of there. Wide stances, cut down boards. Yeah. Freestyle, like huge compared to everything that had been happening up to that point. But on top of that, there was this like – world championship thing in Breck that had become yeah. the benchmark for like how you're measuring how you were doing in the industry yeah like Craig wins you know the TDK year mm-hmm. like the the Swatch year like I feel like yeah that was when Nicole Angel Angelrath was just we were like who is this European chick her style and and yeah I feel like there was just I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because I grew up there and this is like my scene. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was the only thing in the world happening in snowboarding at the time. That was. But, but yeah. I, but you know, it's that when you're in your little bubble, you're in your bubble. 
Yeah. So I feel like we didn't need to go anywhere. That's where everybody was. But yeah, then everyone starts spreading out. And then Tahoe, obviously, those guys are Whistler filming the their Beach movies. Stuff. And then all the West Beach stuff. Yeah, like yeah. there was so much. Yeah. The it's scenes rad. were popping for sure. But definitely. Quickly. So I think how I've come to understand it is like the media, like, because I'm a media guy. Yeah. So I was going to go to LBS. It's canceled, sadly. But I was going to go to LBS because that's where everyone is. I could do all my interviews for the rest of the season you in could. three days. You seriously could right. because I, everybody, right. I just, I love that event so much. So um, Kevin Kinnear, new running Trans World Snowboarding, go to Breck. That's our, that basically will, that filled the magazines with content mm-hmm. for the whole season. Yeah. And so that's why I think in my memory, those Breckenridge pipe contests where it was the world world championships mm-hmm. was the defining moments of like coming into snowboarding and wanting to be involved in what was the tip of the spear yeah. progression. It was like the actual snowboarding spot where like Vegas was the yes the trade show the industry industry zone zone mm-hmm. right. And I heard that there was a hike pipe that had lights on it all night in Breck. Mm. Oh, like, yep, 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 yep. That, so you didn't even... See, that's where the industry is is working on making sure that everyone knows that the snowboard industry is the culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, like it's, you know, but the industry isn't anything. You, you don't need to go to Vail Resorts to snowboard. Yeah. If you made a board out of plywood in your basement and you have snow where you live in your backyard and you're snowboarding you're still as big a part of the community as somebody that's, you know, Chloe Kim that's winning X Games. Yeah, truth. Yeah, it's snowboarding is about going snowboarding. And this, yeah, that everybody and all the stories that we, I mean, I was hitchhiking to my first comps, right? Hitchhiking to Steamboat where I met Shannon Dunn and and down to Crested Butte. Actually, I had a vehicle then. I went down to Crested Butte. That's That's where I met Barrett was the Crested Butte contest in 92. She got first, I got second, and we became fast friends. Oh, that's sick. So that was like that moment. She still lived in Crested Butte, but then she moved up to Vail the next season. Yeah. 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 And a powerful force in snowboarding yeah. yourself as well. Yeah, that was fun. Like, wow. what a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a power couple. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are both living in Colorado and and – yeah. Going to contests together mm-hmm. or that kind of thing? Yeah, contests together or separate and traveling and then photo coming back together and, and photo shoots. And yeah, Minx was a like a sponsor that we shared. And then eventually Montoya, which is what we did with Jason Ford. That was out of California. So Minx is Wave Rave. Mm-hmm. Did you ride Wave Rave like tr- yeah. Trent Bush years? Yeah, like- that was like my first sponsor, like the big orange and yellow blocked yeah. green with the flowers on the knee yeah stuff i consider Purple, it the u.s west yellow. beach because in canada mm-hmm. we had the same shit under west beach they yeah. even had the printed knee pads and everything they, yeah, yeah it was like they were i don't know who was biting who i think west beach had to be biting wave rave because trent told me he created the knee, I could, yeah, the, the black him and knee Natalie thing. Sullivan, yeah, that makes sense. Like he sewed them onto a pair of wave rave pants, yeah, spray painted wave rave around there, and people were like, "I want those," <laughs> yeah, right. That was like that big Be- because you didn't want to have something skier, 
right? You mm-hmm. didn't. You wanted to identify yourself as like I'm pure snowboarder. Yeah. I don't support. Oh, ski we were brands. so snowboarder skater, right? Like I was a skater at the time. I skated a lot of vert. Kevin Staub was wow. somebody who was a first like sponsor of mine. So ninety ninety clothing was really huge. Whoa, right? so whoa, that's that was so like, sick. Yeah, so that was Kevin we, Staub. Yeah, dope. <laughs> yeah, Kevin's awesome. I think he's still doing it. I I, I feel like th- I follow I th- him on Instagram. I see. Yeah, him. me too. With the pirate, he with sometimes the, does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does reissues of his boards and stuff. Yeah. I love that he's doing that. Yeah. So 90, he was, it was cool because he was hooking up a lot of snowboarders and all the skate stuff. Oh, I remember Stevie sh- Alters yeah. was like 90. Fuck yeah. That was Andy fun. Hetzel. Hetzel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The 90 thing. I wanted that. <laughs> it, and it, there was something about, it was kind of around 1990. Like yeah. it was like. Yeah, it was the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. like we're coming out of the 80s and now we got these cool brands like 90. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Minx, how long did that go for? You're saying I it was say like. at least, I, don't, I remember like three seasons. Dope. Um, I don't remember what happened and why it got dropped. Um, but yeah, it was just, it had its little era. It was fun for a minute. It was really great to be able to be featured in ads and be able to travel, get travel budget. and um, But it was just the beginning, right, for Barrett, um, for myself. So we just had other things to do. And I think Montoya was the next for both Barrett and I. And then Barrett, I mean, Montoya was awesome while we had it. Jason and his ex, um, Dana. Dana Montoya's where the name came from and just oh, yeah, sick. just really cool suede pants, suede jackets, just low cut jeans, like just um kind of stylish lifestyle. Who's designing and outerwear as well? Um, it was Jason and Dana and myself and Barrett were giving input as well. So. That's so fun. So it was kind of this fun project that we got to be creative with. Yeah. Um and then, yeah, just the funding didn't happen. I mean, we, there was a lot of sales and a lot of hype. It was kind of that Capel era where we had like lifestyle-ish snowboard outerwear. Um, and then, but it was a great place for Barrett and I to kind of like hone in on our skills and ideas. And then she goes to Nike and then I went to the North Face. So we were both able to kind of, boom, you know, move up and, and work in more of a corporate setting but yeah, still yeah. a very cool experience yeah like i was saying to david and and uh, manny earlier on smiley <laughs> the, uh, uh, the term snowboard industry to me now there's there's just industry right because yeah. no- the north face and nike are just industry yeah. that's it they're mm-hmm. not snowboard industry nope. there is no snowboard industry there's snowboarders. There's a snowboard community. Yeah. And for uh, this time of snowboarding, the pro riders had such value because Nike doesn't know how to make anything snowboarder. Yeah. They're well, just, they didn't at the time. They were trying to, right? Like, right, that's but they the thing need is they were you trying. guys to uh-huh. bring the ideas. What is it that makes this uniquely snowboard? So you bring that knowledge to them. And when you're getting paid, you're getting paid whatever a designer gets paid at at Nike now probably right because you're not just an athlete you're a huge asset yeah yeah that's dope kind of well yeah <laughs> we won't need to get into that but it was definitely <laughs> this was the first Nike foray into snowboarding yeah, where yeah. after you guys I have no quit. idea what their pay grade was over there but I do know there's probably a lot of um 
right? Like a lot of the first people that came in that were like, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. We're not just a snowboarder giving ideas. We're lending yourself to, you know, lending ourselves to clothing that's actually selling and product that's selling. So there's a lot of room for negotiations, I guess, as time went on. But um, yeah, it was a great experience. Did you take heat from people that you're like selling out when you go to, when you go to Nike? No, or like I was at North Face, Barrett was at Nike. Yeah. um, Well, no, they didn't really make like, I'd say women's type clothing or gear, even like outerwear for snowboarding. It's a mountaineer company, right? Right. So Jim Zellers, Bonnie Zellers. Tom Burt. And Tom Burt was like this original OG. And they're hardcore. They're hiking crazy shit in Alaska. Scott Schmidt too, right? And Scott Schmidt and skier, but as the snowboarder part, right? Like I met Jim Zellers. Um, Tom and Jim were both guides of mine in AK. So I was able to get a lot of backcountry experience with them. And then that's how I kind of came into the North Face gig. And um, yeah, it was just fun kind of being there in the beginning. And, and you know, the designers would kind of shift and move and shift and move. Everyone's mm. moving laterally, um, horizontally or whatever. Everyone's just moving around the ladder, right? But um, you'd still get a few good years in with a designer and be able to get input. And I mean, I worked with the North Face probably for, gosh, almost 15 years. That's incredible. Um, and helping with getting, you know, not just product for women, but clothing that you that works for snowboarding, right? Pit zips. There wasn't any of that happening <laughs> what? In, in North Face gear. No, I mean, these are mountaineers, you know, it's a mountaineer type era. So we were they able still to, need pit zips, don't they? Um, maybe, but I, there wasn't anything in outerwear clothing. That's that we incredible. Were yeah. That's, and that's also like puffies, you know, make, I would snowboard in a noopsie, their iconic jacket, right? But yeah. not very good when it's wet snow or heavy snow. So we were trying, working on designing, you know, puffy jackets for snowboarding. It was just fun. It was a really fun, open time to kind of be in the beginning of things yeah yeah tom told me off mic i think and it made me laugh so hard because we were on the same snowboard outerwear team i met these Mm -hmm. ice age guys from hawaii and he was on ice age they made this clothing in hawaii and it was waterproof to a point yeah but tom's going to the top of mount everest and shit so he needs to wear his north face stuff until the camera comes out that he throws on his ice age jacket for a few (laughs) photos and then puts it back in the pack I have the most epic poster of of um, Tom in my garage. I'll get it for you. Sick. Yes. <laughs> it says rad on it. It's oh, him just getting God. rad. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I love it. And then all that so pink North Face stuff. That was before my era, but I got a poster of it. So. That's incredible. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. So, yeah, because Jess Kamira now is... I think she's even designing with yeah, the North Face, yeah, right? Yeah, I would think so. I would hope so. Because she's got a line. Yeah. She's got mm-hmm. a line there. Which, yep. And I it's think... It's incredible. I'm, I'm not educated in it, but I believe that she, her input was like, make it affordable. Like, yeah. let's do something that's that's not, you know, insane mm-hmm. for Love people it. to buy. That but doesn't surprise me. That sounds like something Jess would do. That's so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she's your neighbor. She just lives <laughs> yeah. over there. That's so sick. What a fun time in snowboarding. It's funny that you mentioned before you were talking about snowboard, snowboard industry. I still use the term snowboard industry. I feel like so for me, I, when for I sure. say that, yeah. that's like talking family. When I talk snowboard industry, right? It's like talking about my group, my community. Yeah. Um, but I still use that term a lot. It's it's funny. 
Um, yeah. that I still look at snowboarding as this community. Oh, and yeah. there are so many central, I mean, I look at, you know, even if it's, um, you know, David and his Yes crew or the Capita crew and Union and Cole and I, I just, there's so many brands I can't even... I'm not name dropping. No, <laughs> not of sponsored by them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah. You know, or Mervin yeah. or any of these people, and like that's why the Bank Slalom is one of those iconic events. Besides being maybe one of the longest running snowboard comps, I'm not sure. Right. Um, but it's family, and, and it's is... where we all congregate yes. and we all get each other. And it doesn't matter if there's you know six year olds on the course, or I don't know, is there seventy plus now? Seventy plus year olds for sure. Um, you know, that I hope to all, I hope to be there one day to be one of those older riders at the Bank Slalom that are able to participate in this community I think, event. I think what I, what I was getting at is that the, us using the term industry to mean community uh, yeah. mm-hmm. is the trick. It's a yeah. trick because even Mervin is not Mike and Pete, right? Yeah. Mike and Pete work at at their job at Mervin, which mm-hmm. they created. It's their baby. Yeah. But Mervin is a money making machine that is there are other people there that are, you know, trying to get better costs on materials yeah. and Yeah. And, but and I say Mervin and, and I think of family. I think Mike, of Pete, Mike Barrett, Pete Temple, and Matt the Cummins and Jamie. Like, and Jamie and right, everybody, right. right? So that when I say Mervin, that's who I'm thinking. But yes, there's all, everybody who makes the boards there. Yeah, and and the shareholders who own the thing, right? Yeah. Like there's investors who own yeah. it, and that's the industry, them, but. right? <laughs> right. So, uh, but what I'm saying is those guys are the industry because yes. they're they're the ones that are making the industrial decisions yes, yes, about yes. these okay, things. Okay, now I see what you're saying. And yeah. and those other guys are just snowboarders that you know in the yeah. community that are family, like you said. Yeah. There's a huge family, and you yeah. you. When I saw uh, Pete Sari snowboarding at um, at the Holy Bully this year, <laughs> for the second time in a row, I th- I went up to him and I said, "Dude." You rip so hard because in my head, he's an industry guy. <laughs> I bet you love that. <laughs> in my head, he's an industry guy who's making yeah. these crappy decisions about cutting people off the team or whatever industry has to do to make more money. Mm-hmm. But really, really in his soul, Pete, Mike are snowboarders. They're yeah. actual surfers, surfers and snowboarders. snowboarders. You should see yeah. them. You know, uh, there's a skate park, a new skate park in the neighborhood over there. It's pretty beautiful. Temple too, Cummings so. or um, Cannon Cummings now skating. Cannon just Cummings, yeah. Wa- and yeah. I just saw him in the new Austin board slide worldwide thing. Yep. And I'm like, Cannon is ripping so hard. Yeah. Like, Fun but, to see him. I was like, oh my gosh, I changed your diapers. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So there's a part of it that it's easy to interchange right? It's easy to say, well, those guys are a part of the industry for sure. They've been a part of the industry forever. Mm-hmm. But really, Mike and Pete were always kind of against the industry in a way. Like yeah. they were doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like when they had to make a board in China. Yeah, they were hoping by ben- wearing banana outfits that they would scare people <laughs> off maybe. Exactly. <laughs> well, they knew that they would attract the people that got it. That yeah. they were, remember they blew money into the air in Vegas yes. that was printed, please like us. It was so <laughs> fucking awesome. They're the best. And that yep. they were, that whole point of time, they were saying, fuck the industry. And not to just go on them, like mm-hmm. there's also other yeah. brands out there, Yes and Never mm-hmm. Summer and people that have snowboarders at the core. Yeah. 
that are just winging it on the industry side going, Fuck, we're just trying to make a buck here, but we're also mm-hmm. trying to snowboard. Yeah. We're also trying to support the community, not mm-hmm. the, like when the industry says, come to this thing and do this demo and, you know, it's like, oh, fuck, do we have to? We're trying yeah. to, we're just trying to make good product that's at the right price, that's doing, you know? Mm-hmm, anyways, mm-hmm. Th- that's too much talk on that anyways, because <laughs> it's just what's in my I, I get you, though. Yeah. I like, I, I, yeah, snowboard industry to me is, I, I feel like it's the same as the snowboard community is to me, but I get what you're saying about industry. So. I would say that yeah. farmer is in the community yeah, and he's not a not, part of the industry. I got you. At all. I got you. He, he never, even when he was riding for the industry, yeah. he was not a part of it. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I got a, I got a pro model on K2 and on Summit and on so Spiral. hyped. He was so excited. He still is now. He, still, I know. I've still. Met, I, I mean, I haven't seen him in years, but the last time I saw him, he was plowing roads in yep. Tahoe and he yep. was so excited to drive a freaking plow. He's yep. like, you should see them scatter. <laughs> They're scattering as I drive down the street. So, <laughs> I think he was telling happy. me that he was psyched that if he made it long enough with the with the road services, he got medical. He's yeah. like, then I'll get my fucking knees replaced. Then it's really on, you know? Oh, then I'm oh. right back, like blasting. Yeah, I love yeah. that guy. The best. Mm-hmm. You, I mean... So your scene that you're talking about, you're like, yeah, when when you're in it, it's hard. You think that's the world. But Mm -hmm. for a few years there, it was the, you know, it was the world. It was what we were seeing. And it was everybody was there. Mm -hmm. Like people that were going to move to Utah and then to California where Mm -hmm. it was where, um, and I, I wonder if your dad had anything to do with it, like A Basin being accepting to snowboarding was there i doubt any no. part of that? my dad had anything to do no, with it right. but i don't think he'd be against it for I, sure he, I, I mean he was like part-time uh uh what do you call it ski patrol but he was fire chief of silverthorne oh sick for quite a long time so. wow that's fucking very yeah, honorable he probably, i don't know if he went to any like burning house down parties of snowboarders <laughs> but i don't know <laughs> my dad's very accepting and it's always been psyched to That's um, dope. to see me excel and did you have that kind of parental um support like for going to contests and things like that or were you already no, on your I, own by i was point? on my own and um i played competitive sports when i was younger and uh i played softball and he definitely was there for me all the time, driving me to the games, getting me on the teams, getting me the training, the coaching, and then helping me get, you know, scholarships for college. And then Sick. I said no to that. That was really hard thing for him to swallow. Right. Yeah. Um, it's cause I was like, I think I want to be a pro snowboarder. And he's like, what, what is that? <laughs> I'm like, I just want to snowboard and skate. And, That's and that, I think that was really hard for him. Um, just because, yeah, he, thought that I was worked really hard at something. I was like, oh, well, watch me. So, yeah, when I did start winning contests and, you know, either winning money or getting my first sponsorships or Supporting buying yourself. my first truck. And right. he was just like, oh, okay. That's rad. Yeah, he it's, was, he's excited. It's a full circle moment tonight because I'm asking your daughter like, oh, yeah, you've done grade 12 this year. What's next? Were you like listening going like, 
gap year. Okay, that's no, no. We've fun. already or, we've had that conversation for a while. You guys are really connected. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. from an outsider perspective, it looks like you guys put a lot of effort into being great connected parents. Yeah, I mean, God, we just feel so lucky that yeah. well, our kids still want to hang out with us. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> right? But when you're going to Japan, you can't say no. <laughs> so tell me about this Japan trip because uh. this is to me. It's my ultimate dream. I've never been to Japan. Well, it's been our dream. Riding powder with my kids yeah. would be a, like just a transformational experience. Well, we've been lucky to have a lot of powder days with these kids. They've been snowboarding since they were little. And Lily, she was on the very first Burton Riglet prototype. She was wow. like the first, that was the first bird with board. I'm pretty sure it went to her. So she's been on a board since she was 18 months. And so she, and it's just, we just said, as soon as the second one was born, we were like, okay, we're going to Japan. We're going to Japan. We're going back to Japan. Cause I'd been there and David's been there as well. But, um, it's just kind of, it's been on the radar and it's like, got to save money and then have the right connections. And yeah, it just ended up coming together. And, and B4BC has a chapter that we've been working towards over there in Japan with Tomo. Sick. Um, and Tomo's an expert and writer. And um, yeah, I've known her for a long time. She's really good friends with Shannon Dunn, one of our co-founders. So we've been kind of putting everything in place to get this Japanese um, chapter in line. And Izumi over there from Burton, it's been really helpful just because um, it's just, they don't talk about their bodies, right? They don't. And they're not going to talk about boobs. Right. It's kind of a big deal to have the education that we offer here in North America in Japan. But Tomo is a breast cancer survivor. So she really wanted to um, support that kind of education in her community. So long story short, we were working towards that. I'm like, and David's like, oh, I've got the trade show. And we're like, oh, we got to make this happen. We bring the kids. So, yeah, we went and uh, it was just the freaking epic that you would imagine, but you have to like keep your mind open. Like, what if it's we get skunked and we're watching the weather? We're watching the happen. weather. We're like, oh my god, it hasn't snowed. Okay, we're going to Hokkaido. We're gonna have to switch it up. And but we just we stayed the course, and um, yeah, we stayed in Miyoko Kogan and stayed with friends at Refray. That place is awesome. Really lovely Australian family. Great Japanese community. Our friend Kay and. His little son connected with Reef, and it was just blower pow. I can't oh. even, like, I don't know. I'm sure everybody who's been to Japan knows. How many days in a row of blower power are we talking about? Well, there was six, <laughs> seven, oh and it, we were, like, so tired. We were all, and David's like, come on, we're going, we're going, get out there. And we're all just like, uh. And there's the jet lag, but everyone's psyched. And I think by day four, everyone's kind of like, we're so tired. Just But we just blasted. keep going, keep going. Yep. And um, yeah, it was beautiful. It was great. And there's just all these neat little things just happening, right? When you don't plan, but then things kind of come together. So, and we did our Japanese um, for the ride day with B4BC Japan at Sugi Nohara, Sugi, which is in that Miyoko area. And um, the freestyle board shop showed up, brought like 30 people. They all drove three hours to see DCP. Thank you for David for Epic. being a part of this. We ended up having like 50, almost 60 people doing this big train down the mountain. And oh my gosh, it was really cool. And just so neat to see people being educated. We've got like these little fake 
boobs that we teach self-breast exams on. And wow. Japanese people are like, oh, oh. But then people are coming to the booth, like young women in their 30s. And I've had breast cancer. And, and now I'm learning to snowboard because I can do anything, you know? Oh, that's rad. Yeah, it was what really a, cool. What a cool connection. It was a great way to kind of kick off, I think, before BC Japan. So that was a really fun kind of cherry on top. Super such trip. a beautiful trip. And our kids just like... Like, is this the way life is? Wow, sending it. Reef's like, I'm going to move there and buy vending machines. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's awesome. You know, it was just, it was pretty dreamy. We feel really lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And then there's a trade show portion. And this yeah. is a big time for Dave, and we don't have to get into it, David, for the, because uh, there's transitions going on this year with Yes, right? Like, would that have been yep. like kind of an announcement? trade show i think that? so yeah i think yeah. they did have the new boards there everyone it was really well received yeah yeah of course. i think i'm gonna let david just speak to that totally. but i know that of people course. were psyched and so you've got so many aspects of this trip though you've got the family part where you're shredding pout with the kids mm -hmm. you're doing the boarding for breast cancer stuff mm -hmm. which is you know that's that's so rad i think of all the things that i've learned about the snowboard industry you know, on the bad side, the craziest thing is that there's a lot of death. There's a lot of, you lose a lot of people. I don't think yeah. there's any other pro sport that has as many. Yeah, too I, many. Too many, which is gnarly. Mm -hmm. On the good side, I think the pinnacle of the good part of the snowboard community is that 35 years ago, 30 years ago, the women of the sport created a template for engagement with the with the community in a in a like such a positive way oh yeah we're 20 doing this b4bc forever. is like 27 27 yeah 27 28 years old it's all the way through yeah. the entirety like of the my history whole, of almost like my whole like career pretty much well it was a little bit late i started earlier than that but yeah still just yeah just really proud to be working with them and just the story doesn't get old. It actually is shifting where more and more young people are being diagnosed with breast Tough. cancer. Right. Um, just, yeah, it's hard for me to see that. I'm hosting a retreat at Sunshine Village. I'm super excited to do that with Yeti Canada coming Sick. up, which is going to be good. But yeah, there's 10 women. They're all under the age of 42, I think. Um, that's young. That's very young. Early 30s to to be going through what they're going through. So, um, so this is boarding for breast cancer canada yeah so we're so starting we're waiting new... for our charity status it's like literally any minute so great congratulations uh, on yeah, that holy yeah, shit thanks yeah our team's been working really hard we're such a small team but we're just um i don't know our our voice is getting out there i'm really honored that people want to support that because it's important we're not just talking about boobs it's and breast health it's like being healthy being active being outdoors being together i mean there's so many aspects to um what we're teaching and sharing so i love yeah. that mm -hmm. i've like i can remember that you know it was a huge part of media all the way back yeah, like those right? events, those first events were like iconic. Yeah, Tina, Shannon, Lisa, those girls, like it was just no holds bar. The whole music industry, the music Foo thing. Fighters. It and, was nuts. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was really good parties. <laughs> 
and just a great way to share the message and a really good way to kick off this. I'm, I just can't believe it's been going this long. Yeah. I know yeah. Lisa Hudson feels the same. Sometimes we're just like, oh my God, what's happening? That's amazing. We've been in this for so long, but yeah, the message doesn't get old. It stays important. Yeah. I want my daughter to carry that message and, um, to continue all of this to continue on, you know, people to know. Yeah. Just to know. <laughs> you guys are still so active in the snowboard community. It's kind of incredible. Because I, sometimes I'm like, God, I don't know if I know anything different, but I do know a lot different. I know same with David and, and I know Barrett and we're expanding and we have different arenas, but this is our, this is our foundation. Yeah. You know, this is our home base. Yeah. Yeah. The snowboard community. Mm -hmm. So you, you had a project, uh, Look, sorry, searching for sunshine. What was it? Again? Oh, chasing sunshine. Chasing sunshine. <laughs> yeah, right. And that told. If listeners want to go and watch a great movie about it, that tells the entire story for you, right? For yeah, your I would just say just about. It, basically, I wanted to do something. I was learning so much really quickly, and you got to make really rapid decisions. I was a stage three breast cancer, right? And I had a a little tiny baby and oh, young wow. kids, you know? So it was like the decisions had to be made really quickly and I was learning so much. And um, I wanted to share what I was learning. And I there was so much more out there than what you would just assume. When someone gets cancer and you get surgery and you have chemo and radiation and there you go. There yep. was so much more that I was learning. So I wanted to share that. And that's what the film is about, just the integrative part of my treatment and yeah i mean it's it's the rigors it's the hard hard stuff but um yeah i think i was just in it and the guy who was filming for me paul watt is incredible and helping me to kind of you know he's just kind of behind the scenes and i just i wanted to share that the outdoors was my medicine i would go outside i would pray i would meditate at the river every day i go paddle boarding in the morning before chemo or i'd go on runs if i had energy um just living the life of making food for your kids and getting them to daycare or off to grandparents or it's just like we didn't stop living but just that the outdoors was just as much of a medicine for me as going to chemo so that's kind of yeah, I went to the Haven this year. I'm glad I get to bring it up because mm. they help, you know, support the show. Yeah. And one of the best concepts that I heard discussed there is that the founders of the Haven were having a problem with the fact that there's this complete divide. You've got physiotherapists that look at your body and go like, okay, you got a broken leg. Let's rehab you and get you dialed in mm -hmm. and then you've got psychologists and psychiatrists over here that are like let's get you a pill to make you feel better with this thing mm -hmm. but there's no divide between your body and your mind yeah there's none it's like you can't just treat one half of the uh, the entirety exactly like let's look at the let's look at the entire the person whole, the whole person exactly and i think that's the hard thing about if you want to call it Western medicine or modern medicine or whatever it is, but it's, um, you, you are a number, you are a statistic, you are research, you are science. Um, and so it's not like they're going to consider Megan in this whole picture. Right. But me, I know that it's not just tumors in my chest. It's my heart chakra. It's my energy body that's diseased, you know, and how, 
how can I unwind all this? And without like taking responsibility and saying, Oh, I did all these bad things. And then it's karma or it's this or that. It's, it's not that it's just, I created something. I I'm that powerful. And if I created it, I can uncreate it. And that's, it's a hard thing to say because people might think you're crazy or um, like, you know, or I don't want to be a disservice to people who do have cancer who, who are like, I'm trying to get rid of it. I can't get rid of it. Right. I'm just saying for me personally, I believed that I can undo and I'm going to learn a lot. That's and I don't know what the path incredible. is. Right. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get my mind straight with my heart straight, with my body straight. <laughs> past lives <laughs> sure <laughs> all of sure, this sure i don't know how i'm going to do it but i know it's possible yeah one of the most intriguing things i read about this kind of healing is don schwartz who was yeah, burned Schwarty. he was horribly burned and he's in the burn unit and he's hearing the doctors talking about him like oh he's going to definitely lose that ear or whatever you know and he just thought no i'm not no, I'm not. And they told him, well, there's nothing you can do. Like modern science can't help you here. You're fucked. And he visualized healing energy. Read his book. It's incredible. Yeah, and I actually heard his story firsthand. I yes. mean, he was friends with Dano yep. Pendergrass. And yes. I'd always stay with Dano and those guys during oh, summer camps. And Rad. and um, I heard his story to my face. And I remember being this young snowboarder and not i mean i had already had a near-death experience of my own with losing my spleen but i Whoa. still what yeah it's a whole other <clears throat> story was but, it a snowboard injury yeah oh my God. so but but still just hearing from shorty just hearing yes. his story and just he was just how adamant he was and how absolutely sure that he was about his healing. And he I just did was, it. I remember just being mind blown, yeah. just going, this guy's really cool. And I didn't have a ton of interactions with him, but he right. did tell me some stories where I was like, he's absolutely sure. I think that's important, you know, <clears throat> just as I feel it in my guesswork here that like that you were exposed to that at a young age, open your mind to this idea of like, yeah. okay, this healing isn't just coming from a pill, right? Like, cause yeah. I, I remember talking with Terry while I was getting off of Advil every day for like <laughs> aches and pains and hangovers and stuff. <laughs> and he was like, I don't take painkillers. And I was like, why not? He's like, because then your body doesn't know where yeah. to send the healing energy. Yeah. And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. You should write that on a <laughs> billboard or something. That's true though. Yeah. Like your body is so powerful to heal itself. But it's it, it, to me, if my body wants to know though. where, hey, hey, buddy, tell me where yeah. to send the healing energy, you we're, know? Yeah, we're not taught that. And that was one thing that I learned really quickly. And it's not that I'm, you know, mad at my parents or teachers or doctors when I was younger. It's just we're not taught to trust ourselves. Absolutely. We're just not. And so we just, we're going to either learn the hard way or somebody else is going to share that with us. And mm -hmm. So, yeah. There's a couple of other things that I've been exposed to reading, like John Sarno about back pain. Mm. And he's like, it's a manifestation <clears throat> of up here. It's Your back pain's coming from something up here. Mm -hmm. And there was another thing I heard about heart attacks, that, that men who are about to have heart attacks, or most men, some sort of statistic of when they talk in the hospital about, like they kind of knew. They sort of knew it was coming. Hmm. 
and they knew what was bringing it on you know like oh i had a double cheeseburger i kind of knew what was gonna happen like you know what you're doing to yourself Mm. and it requires up here to keep from having your body go like okay that's enough that's it so then if you get that you should be able to get like well geez if i know that subconsciously that something's coming mm. what if i'm conscious <laughs> yeah there <laughs> you go what if i wake the fuck up yes. and actually drive my own ship or drive my own vehicle you know and make the choices and so yeah it's it's a journey though it's it's difficult because everybody of, has a version yeah my brain my upbringing I, I i spent 47 years being a victim of what i thought was a, a terrible mother but really i had a mother who had mental illness Mm. And once my mind was shifted, I it was a psychedelic experience guided by Sean Kearns, which was mm-hmm. really fucking awesome. And I thank him for it. It's like changed my life completely and yeah. saved me for myself. Right, perspective. Big time. And, I, and when I realized that I could accept that I had a difficult time because my mom had mental illness. But having mental illness is not bad. It's yeah. neutral. There's nothing yeah. to it. Yeah. And... So instantly I could love my mom for who she was and I could accept the love from her the way that she was giving it to me. Never been the same since. Aww. It's such a better That's beautiful. way to be. And yeah. I would encourage, you know, now I know with this Haven work that I did, which was only one time for five days or something, that there's powerful, powerful medicine in circles of people strangers and Thank you. people yes. that are n- that know you or that don't but that are but that are listening helped. with it with mm-hmm. intention that mm-hmm. yeah that's it that's it the the ability to be vulnerable and yourself in front of strangers mm-hmm. and feel what it feels like to be supported and people say not running away and and being like oh you're an awful person yeah. You know, that's some fucking powerful shit. Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful work being done. Beautiful. Right? That I, I mean, beautiful. I'm sure it's been done been done for ages. Just me yep. happened to be coming upon my own circles and and what that feels like and looks like with um yeah, the people that pull those circles together that are holding space and creating these spaces with intention and doing it mindfully and soulfully and with safety and loving kindness. And then you create these spaces and everybody's there and you may not know these people, but then yeah, all the armor comes off. Um, and people are really, I think there's, it's powerful and there's a lot of healing that can be done if, if um, people find themselves in the right one. There's also a parallel to our childhoods growing up snowboarding. It's like these circles of people, you mentioned Barrett, but there's, and so many people actually (laughs) you mentioned, like even if the circle is just a car of people going snowboarding, Mm -hmm. but you feel okay being yourself and being vulnerable in front of these people, Mm -hmm. it's it's the best feeling. And then when that goes away, you're like, Oh, I'm adulting now. I'm at my adult job doing my adult shit. You don't have these deep connected friendships that you had through something risky like snowboarding where you kind of know like, Mm -hmm. shit, somebody might get badly hurt today, but I got their back. We we're, we're all in this together. We're fucking hyped. Yeah. You know, so we as snowboarders are so lucky if that's the upbringing that we had that we already know to trust in the healing power of community, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. And that same intuition thing, you wind up, you're, you know, on the internet all day or reading your phone all day, <laughs> scrolling, and then you get a cancer diagnosis and you go like, ah, fuck, man, I wish I would have stayed connected, stayed outside, mm-hmm. stayed doing my thing. I'm kind of off in this bubble. Or just like sick. I was doing all the right things. That's what was so mm. intriguing to me. And I mm. really thought hard about that as like, I thought I was doing all the right things. I wasn't on a phone all the time. I was breastfeeding or I was out snowboarding or doing yoga or surfing or, you know, like I was very fortunate to live what you would say, like a healthy, active, you know, lifestyle. I loved myself. I loved the people around me. I felt like, yeah, like, whoa, what is this? You just have to really dissect those kinds of situations and like, okay, I definitely a perfect storm. Mm. We all have a perfect storm. Shit just doesn't go sideways because you're on your phone all day or you don't love yourself or you're mad at yourself or whatever. Like there's, everyone has a perfect storm, I believe. Yeah. And, And we all have to kind of figure out all the elements that brought that storm together. Sure. And how do we calm the storm and break it down? And if your if your desire mm-hmm. is to heal, then what you just described is a very <clears throat> solid formula for a pathway to healing forward. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, and everybody has their own version of like a rock bottom or mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. and just where it's going to take us. But we're on just all, we're on a healing journey here. All of us are. Yeah. I'd like to think anyway. <laughs> I, I, I Whether mean, we see it that way or not, <laughs> it feels we're alive. It feels like, <clears throat> as humans, at least, it feels like to me as a human being that you're innocent as a child, and then at some point, I started to feel like this isn't fair, or I'm hard done by, or whatever. Got mm-hmm. like, like a kind of victim mentality. Yeah, it's easy to do that. And then I was like. As a young adult and and all through my life, kind of dissecting why do why am I feeling this way? What is it that mm-hmm. what about my situation is like and then once I was nearing fifty, I somehow got the distance from the story I was telling myself about myself mm-hmm. to be like, oh, maybe some of those circles that you were involved in, oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> oh man, that cracked me wide open, right like the yeah. The bizarreness of being in a DMT netherworld for me was like, holy shit, not a lot of the things that I think are super duper important are actually really even real. Yeah. Well, this that's, is wild. That's really crazy. The whole reality and personal realities and yeah, and kind of like we are what we make of ourselves. We are what we create. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, it's like being, having an awareness and a consciousness and, um, yeah. Yeah. The well, stories we tell ourselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was okay. fun. Yeah. It's, or maybe, um. Oh yeah. What, well, what do we got? on the note of, of healing. Please. I think this has been a really good thing for David to be able to show this film tonight okay so let's talk about where we're off to after this interview because we're just about to go to the premiere is this the world premiere of this yeah yeah Yeah. i would say and i think he's definitely it's it's good for him 
It's good for his ego. He's not putting out that epic ender or opening part, or it's obviously he's been out of his pro snowboarding career for several, many years now, kind of. Well, he's um, still putting out he's kick still, ass shit. He's still a legend. He's <laughs> yes. still DCP, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he just, he, um, it, he's very vulnerable. And I just, I love it. I like to see men. I'm really proud of David, first of all, because I know him so well and I know how hard this was for him. Um, but I like to see men be vulnerable and really honest. And I'm seeing a lot more of that in our industry and in our family zone. And um, I think what Jake put out recently, Blavel did something really beautiful. And there's just, there's a lot of really good stories out there. So I love to see them shared from a male perspective. And I think David has a good perspective of just his story of what he went through. It was and awesome. it wasn't just breaking his neck, it was breaking him open, like he said. Mm-hmm. It literally was he was like, Oh, I'm not sure I like the person I am. I need to go deeper now and see what this looks like. So That's incredible. It basically was a new beginning for him, but it wasn't just this whole like, Oh, I broke my neck and now I'm gonna heal and get through it. Right. Um he was like, Oh man, I got a lot of work to do and where do I start? His, so I commend him. His mom texted him while yeah. he was going out the door here. Did you hear what he Yeah, what, Denise what she, got to watch it. I'm sure it was emotional for her. Of course. Just I mean, watching just the, the crash. I never wanted to watch it. And then he posted it on Instagram. I was like, gosh darn it. Yeah. You saw but, it? Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah. it just it triggers a lot, I feel like, for our family. Yeah, of course. Um, The kids had no idea until everyone started coming up to them like, oh my God, your dad almost died. And and they were like looking at me, you didn't tell us that dad almost died. And I was like, well, why would I? Because he didn't. (laughs) Like, fuck. That was really, it just was heavy, you know? Of course. I, um, yeah, I mean, I was there for all of that. And I had just a full confidence maybe because I didn't think of anything else. I just knew he was going to be okay. Um, Yeah. CT scans look terrible. It looked really scary. I had friends reading him for me as I'm down in Costa Rica, but I just knew deep down he was going to be okay. And that's all I needed to keep telling him. Mm -hmm. That's all I needed to keep telling him because he had to have his own version and story and scaredness and fears. And he had to face a lot. It was good for him. You guys have been together 20, 25, almost 25, five years this, this year. Yeah. That's a big, that's, weird. that's big. That's a, I, I want, I want to put that out there publicly because it's a big inspiration to people that believe in the power of partnership and love and support yeah, and family. It's not, it's not the norm these days, it's right? It's not the norm. It's not the norm. I think both of us had had divorce in our families and we had always said like, if we're going to do this, we're doing it. Yeah. But then there were times where we're like, why are we doing this? I mean. <laughs> Everybody has it. Everybody yeah, has we've it. We've had our ups and our downs and some pretty deep valleys. Some pretty deep valleys. Yeah. Um, pretty big hold downs, I guess you could say. I don't know. But right. um, I feel like we've grown up together. I feel really lucky. We've we've grown up together. And we're still growing up together, so. You guys we can still play together, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, you guys are youthful, <laughs> and we laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah, the 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 vibe in the home is happy, yeah. and and 
the vibe between the two of you is rad. It's yeah. it's inspiring. It's awesome. Oh, I've been with my yeah. wife for 11 years now. Amazing. And I feel that we're well matched yeah. because we can we can totally ha- I want to hang out with her more than anyone else. It's nuts, yeah. right? Like that's Me too. That's not why I'm normal. like really you're leaving tomorrow again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's off to where's he flying Mammoth. to? Mammoth. Oh yeah, you got to get out of here right now. Yeah. There's no snow in here. Yeah, I think he's doing some Anso demo. It looks like there's actual snow there. It's been so dumping there. Be yeah. good for him. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the travel for the snow thing. I never did it before. I was always just a Vancouver guy. Yeah. And now seeing that, oh yeah, you can go where there's you snow. You got to leave here. <laughs> you have to leave. And I'm very similar to what you were just expressing. Like most of the time I'm thinking, oh fuck, how quickly can I get back to my wife and my <laughs> comfort zone where my yeah. nice warm bed where I feel like a normal person instead of being out in, you know, in the unknown of... <laughs> no snow. <laughs> no, yeah. Welcome. Oh my god. Totally. It'll happen again. Things turn around. They always this do. This stuff always happens, and then next year it's gonna, we're going to get hammered. I bet. Yeah. I can almost. I feel that. There's never been two in a row, <clears throat> right? In, in the 30 years I've been out here, there's That's never been I'm two saying. of these in a row ever. Yeah. So mm. it's kind of like, and I heard today up top, Alpine had a nice little mellow. Testing. I could see it on the on the so on the webcam come march we can cry a little bit more but i feel like we gotta wait till march yeah it's february yeah we could we could literally have one storm Mm -hmm. turns everything around yep and then back to back storm 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 always comes around so but still we gotta i mean whole other conversation we still have to look at these trends that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. becoming deeper and more profound and more warm air trends and we have to be aware and we got to support our friends protect our winters so i agree these seasons where it doesn't snow in the beginning, oh, mm-hmm. it's back to the industry versus oh, yeah. family thing. Yeah, the industry just goes like they they hate it, mm-hmm. and people that are part of the industry don't go snowboarding when it dumps later on. Yeah, in the year, and it's a lot less busy. Mm-hmm. Right, those Yay. late season, yeah. awesome pow storms. It's not even late season. It's February, beginning of February. I've seen so many great hashtags lately of like super crowded waves at like Snapper or something yes. in Australia. And then yes. hashtag, does Vale own this wave? <laughs> <laughs> or like someplace in Europe with like 10,000 people on the mountain, hashtag, does Vale own this mountain? Like it It's just incredible. So Sorry. here's Sorry, the, Vail. no, yeah, Vale <laughs> Vail has made their bed, you know, I paid 310 US dollars for a day ticket at a, what? at a 40% open Vale resort last year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. So 210 US, 310 Canadian. Yeah. When it came on my credit card, I was like, oh, that's the next level <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. But my last week's guest, Tyler uh, Nickel, he's a groomer. Yeah, Tyler's awesome. He was mentioning a project where he built basically, you know, like a an upscale toboggan hill, like a hike Mm -hmm. a hike park for a zone, and there's no lift tickets. Yeah, where in Calgary? It was. It's Abby Fur is working on something over there. She's got a nonprofit. Sick. You should talk with Abby. I want Abby on the show to yeah, talk about this you because talk to her. I think we need to have Squamish needs to have Vancouver needs to have mm-hmm. Whistler needs to have a free hike park zone. Yeah, totally. where there are built features out of dirt that it doesn't need much snow for mm-hmm. them to snow on, and then lights 
for at night. We have like all sorts of stumps and stuff set up in our back here. So the kids can have a ramp, drop in zone, hit stuff. That's rad. It just doesn't snow that much. Yeah. So if you get it at somewhere where snow mm-hmm. line is mm-hmm. and you just let people go up there, it re- it it's required in order for accessibility to actually happen. Yeah. Where someone can just go and get a board for 10 bucks from Salvation Army and go up in their Sorrells and do yeah. what we did when we were kids. I know, it's right? still snowboarding. Mm-hmm. It's as good hike, as snowboarding. Pull over as anything. on the side of the road and the, hike anything and anything. everything. Yeah, and exactly. Let's go hit that. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. What was your what was your first go to when you were like like was it Loveland Pass? Yeah, Loveland. I love Loveland and just like that. Yeah, just also didn't, I mean, this was before I took some avalanche courses. It's where <laughs> one of my best friends died in the Beaver. Oh, sorry, Bay yeah. Basin. Oh, no. But I still, yeah, Loveland was the go-to. Obviously, we weren't doing the Abbey shoots onto the road there, but you can still, of up from the top, there was a lot of spots. There was a cornice. There was a springtime Loveland spot that we'd all, a bunch of us had always hit and build kickers over bushes and... Oh, I love it. Yeah. We have a lot in common in that time. Kickers over bushes. <laughs> yeah. Not making your first turn for your first few seasons of yeah, snowboarding. I was the same. Just pointing at St. Mary's Glacier, which doesn't even exist. Right. St. Mary's Glacier was like, um, was like, it just doesn't exist anymore. It was like in between Denver and Loveland Pass. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was a glacier there. a glacier there. when I was in high school. And that was like the first few times that I snowboarders, I just borrowed a friend's Sims board, yeah. ditched school with some friends. And we would go and just build a jump. But, you know, there's no turning. It's just you just hit yeah. a jump and then you land sideways and... Or you land and then go sideways or eat it or scorp or whatever. It was just like a strip of snow. It doesn't exist anymore. I got to Timberline in 1990 or 91 at Wendell's. And the first thing they were doing is they were dividing you into the groups, right? And I... Mm. I was like, they're going to freak out because I know how to do a backflip. Like, I'm basically going to be <laughs> sponsored here. here. Like, this is great. I'm <laughs> I'm here to to tell the magazines that, okay, the next, the next uh, you know, Noah Selaznick's here. Here I am <laughs> right here. And then I got put in the, in the beginner group because I couldn't turn. They're like, no, no, no. We're not interested in you doing a backflip, asshole. You can't even. You need to turn. Just That's do so controlled good. turns down to us. And I was like, I couldn't do it. I'd never done it before. I'd never. <laughs> just there's never been a, enough. There's not enough <laughs> run so to learn how to turn where I was from. That's awesome. So they. That's really good. So I was, <laughs> I actually was really bummed the whole camp that mm-hmm. I had been designated a beginner because I was just like, no, I'm not. You're all butt hurt. So butt hurt. <laughs> so butt hurt. It's epic. But it's true. It's that was story. it was that was the truth of the matter. They were Did you work at uh at Wendell's ever? N- not at Wendell's, but High Cascade. High Cascade. I was skate coach. Oh, sick. And yeah, cuz you had for Oh, I like, was a digger. It was yeah. So there's just lots of digging. <laughs> yeah, I think on. it might have been Lisa Vincigura or somebody. Oh, uh, yep. Uh-huh. That, that was our coach. Lisa worked there. Yep. Yeah. So I was skate coach with um Todd Richard. Oh, sick. So Todd and I would do like the skate coaching. That's such a celebrity life in snowboarding. (laughs) That's amazing. I guess so. Uh, No, I love it. That's (laughs) these are the these are the people that we all grew up looking up to. Yeah. 
and still do. I mean, Todd's still yeah. Oh, Todd, ripping. Yeah. I was hoping to take a round with him in Japan, but it didn't work. Oh, yeah. He was there so. with Mint Tours. Those guys mm-hmm. are killing it this year. Yeah. I met Mint at the Denver Mecca event. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're so nice, those guys. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, I got to get on one of those. Epic. Yeah. Yeah. Rad. Fun. So should we get going? We got to go. Um, movie thing yeah. tonight? What's the name of, of DCP's movie? It's Perspectives, Perspectives. A New Beginning. Killer. Mm-hmm. And people, by the time this comes out, it'll be somewhere they yeah, can. Yeah, I think it's Slash is putting it out there. Killer. It should be out there soon, but I hope everyone likes it, especially the people that know David. They're going to know how far he's come, and and he it, he is kind of a new David, not just since he broke his neck, but just whatever. We all kind of shift in life, and he's found his shift right now, so yeah. Thank you for doing the show. Yeah, thanks you for having me. It was fun having a conversation. Yeah. Thanks for coming for dinner. Of course. Yeah, thanks <laughs> coming, for making dinner. Come again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. F and Rad shoutouts this week to Megan Pishke Porcheron and her whole family. Thank you for having me over for dinner and the chat. Thanks to everyone who came out to the Perspective movie premiere. Money was raised for B4BC and Indigenous Life Sports Academy. It was cool to see Court and the Ilsa crew at the movie. Special thanks to Chur Loeffler, a listener and accomplished snowboarder himself, who's linking me up with future guests and getting me out to the 25th annual Neil Edgeworth Memorial this year. The Patreon listeners make Evanrad happen. And if you want to win a 1910 hoodie, tag 1910 in the comments on any Effenrad post. And if you tag New Greens in any Effenrad post, we will send you a sample of the delicious organic green drink that I've been having for breakfast almost every day for years now. Be sure to come back next week for another episode of Effenrad Snowboarding presented by Skyview Campers and brought to you by Effenrad Productions.